0: Welcome to this episode of Catchy Knowledge, where we want more than just fishing knowledge, we want catching knowledge. Today you'll hear an interview of yet another fisherman, or I should say fisherwoman. I'll just stay with Fangler. April Voki was kind enough to let me interview her. I've done quite a few interviews of people in other time zones, but this was different. When I interviewed April, she was on the other side of the world in Australia. I interviewed her on a Tuesday night, but it was Wednesday morning for her. That's crazy. April spends half a year in Australia and the other half in Canada. You can probably deduct which half of the year she spends in Canada. I think you'll enjoy listening to April and even learn some interesting facts about fishing all around the world. Today I'd like to welcome April Voki to this episode of Catching Knowledge. April Vokey started her own fly guiding operation called Fly Gal Adventures when she was only 24. She has written for publications including Fly Fisherman, Fly Rod and Reel, and Fly Fusion Magazine. She has also been on TV shows, too many to name. April is a FFF certified casting instructor, whatever that is, a fly tying instructor, and a traveling speaker. I could list even more, but I just want to add one more thing. April has her own podcast called Anchored with April Voki." I think I have a lot to learn from April. Welcome, April. Thank you very much for
1: having me on your show. You're
0: welcome. Let's get started. How and where did you start fishing?
1: Well, I... It's a great question, Um, and I'll try to condense my answer for you so you don't fall asleep. I started fishing as a little girl with, uh, with my dad to some degree. Dad didn't do a lot of fishing, but we trolled worms in the lake, and I just was really into it at an early age. And so I was about your age and started collecting my allowance. I had one of those tackle boxes. Do you have a tackle box? Yeah. Yeah, and I used to love taking out all of my stuff on the weekend, putting it out on the floor, cleaning it up, reorganizing it. And by the mall, there was a fishing shop, a tackle shop. And so when my friends would go to the mall and my parents would drop me off, I would go into the tackle shop with my allowance and buy all my little Jensen eggs and bits and pieces and then add them into my tackle box. And when I was a little bit older than you and able to drive, I was going fishing every day, which I'm sure you will be too.
0: I hope mom wants me.
1: (laughs) It's stressful, mom.
0: I keep trying to rearrange my tackle storage, but it never really works.
1: Well, there's always something to be, you know, fixed or added. It's part of the obsession. Yeah. What do you mainly fish for? that's another great question i love to fish for just about anything but i'm especially excited about really aggressive territorial fish so i like fish that are hunters i like to hunt the hunters and i really like to be able to see them first and stock up on them and see what they're doing and then try to trick them
0: yeah i try it it's hard to sight fish in lakes yeah it depends
1: where you live right yeah what are your favorite species to fish for well, I have a real thing for Golden Dorado. And so that's south of you down in South America. So the Golden Dorado, I also like taman in Mongolia and then sight fishing for brown trout. That's something that you'd be familiar with. So whether it's in the shores of the lake or in a river, I like to spot a feeding brown trout and then try to sneak up behind it and get my cast to land right over top of it.
0: Nice. What are some of the places you've gone fishing?
1: <laughs> um, well, for a long time there, that was all I did was travel and fish. So I've been uh, to most places. I haven't been to Russia yet. have been to all of Canada, most of America, Mexico, Belize, Guatemala, Honduras, Chile, Argentina. Do you want me to go on? Um, Seychelles, Dubai, all of Australia, all of New Zealand, right. Fiji. I'm trying to think of the map in my head. Europe. A little bit of everywhere. Is there somewhere in particular that you would like to go?
0: I want to go down to a lake in Texas called Falcon Lake. Mm -hmm. I fish for bass and I hear they catch lots of big, big
1: bass there. Yep. There's some great bass fishing over in Texas. That's the thing you don't even need to travel that far.
0: I read the article about the weird rules about
1: fishing. Can you tell
0: us about that article?
1: Yeah, I'd have to have a refresh on it, but some of the ones that stick out to me are it's illegal to help somebody net a fish in New York if you don't have a fishing license. So I thought that was interesting. I phoned their DFO to ask, and that was true. There are some other really crazy ones that we can't confirm, like is it illegal to fish off the back of a camel? There are some who say that in Montana, women can't fish on certain days. And I never did get an answer for that, actually. They, they couldn't confirm either way. But now, of course, women can fish every day of the week. In Canada, we have some interesting rules and regulations. If you are a guide on a classified system, you can't even walk on the river or drive to the river with somebody from another country. So for example, if your mom, if you both came to see me in Canada when I was a licensed guide, I couldn't even drive you to the river without being charged with illegal guiding. What? Yep. So when I met my husband on a fishing trip, he is Australian. And so we were not allowed to be seen together on the river or even drive to the river together. And so I had to end up canceling my license. And if we're being totally honest, end up marrying him a little bit. We ended up getting married a season sooner than we wanted to so that we could fish together while I was still licensed. (laughs) Wow. Yep.
0: If you dropped your hat in Mongolia, you were supposed to burn it or something?
1: Correct. Yeah, they take that very seriously. Same with peeing in the river. You are not allowed to pee in or near the river in Mongolia. It's extremely disrespectful.
0: And in Germany, you're not allowed to
1: catch and release? Correct. Yeah, it's illegal to put them back in the water. You have to take them home. Do people actually follow that? I mean, I'm sure there are many that do, but whether or not it's well-received as new legislation, I, I don't know. I've heard mixed reports.
0: Can you tell us about your podcast?
1: Yeah, I started my podcast as a little side project that I thought nobody would listen to. The show has now had over 10 million downloads. So that's <laughs> been totally unexpected. But the podcast is really cool because you get to sit down with a lot of people who some of these people have never even publicly shared their stories. A lot of my guests are older, they don't have social media, and so their stories even though my guests might be, you know, almost 100 years old. They're in their 90s. They're sharing their stories and they're being heard for the first time. And things were a lot different 90 years ago. So I know for me, as I'm sure will be the same for you, you learn a lot about yourself while you're, while you're podcasting other people. The podcast has been a success overall. I think we're in, I'm in my seventh season now and it's very fulfilling and fun.
0: How do you know when to call the season?
1: I personally do January till December. So I just call every year a season.
0: The oldest person I've interviewed is around 80-some.
1: Oh, great. Who is that?
0: His name is Gary Abrahamson. He's from episode 13.
1: Oh, great. He would have great stories.
0: Yeah, he had a bed and breakfast, and he takes his guests fishing.
1: He's still guiding. Wow. He has more energy than I do.
0: It's free. Wow. Yeah, he does it for like pastors and stuff. Oh, right. Okay. That's amazing.
1: That's fulfilling.
0: Yeah. Do you have any tips or tricks you like to use while
1: fishing? Yeah, I have lots. Let's talk about your favorite fishery and I'll see if I can help you out.
0: Among my favorite places to fish for is a lake called Winigan.
1: Are you fishing out of a boat or on shore?
0: On shore. We mm-hmm. got a kayak this Christmas, but we
1: haven't gotten to use it much yet. Yeah, it's hard fishing on shore in the lake, but it can be be beneficial. So, are you fishing for rainbow or brown trout?
0: There's actually not no trout in that lake. Oh, it's a bass fishing lake. Yeah, I just went fishing there today. And how'd you do? My dad caught a massive carafe, and I caught five twelve-inch bass.
1: Oh, that's amazing! Now, were you fly fishing or fishing conventional gear?
0: Conventional. I want to try fly fishing, but. I don't quite have do this stuff.
1: That's all right. So this will be my tip to you. Nobody will deny you will catch more fish while bass fishing, while conventional fishing. But there are advantages to fly fishing. So one of those things is that there is a time of the year when a bass will eat what's called a mayfly, or they'll hone in on, on a certain bug. And it can be really hard. I mean, Imagine if you tried tying on a fly to your lure, to your weight. It would be hard to cast it, right?
0: That would be rough.
1: It would. Do you use little sinkers or lead weights? Yeah. But with fly fishing...
0: Isn't the weight in the line with fly fishing? Exactly.
1: And so because the weight is in the line, you can deliver these tiny little weightless flies. So when the bass are feeding bugs, you want to fly fish. The other thing is, you know when a bass is coming at you or you see one splash here and you have to reel as fast as you can in your spinning rod to be able to cast again? Yeah. With fly fishing, you don't have to do that. With fly fishing, even though your line's here, you can just pick it up and then cast it over here. So there are advantages. And the other thing is, you know how much fun it is fishing frogs and stuff on lily pads? Yeah. Well, because the weight is in the fly line and it's extended throughout the entire line, you can cast all of your line over top of the lily pads and then not have to worry about it sinking. Because even though it's weighted fly line, it's floating. Something can have weight, but float, right? With fly line, even though it's weighted, it floats. So you can cast on top of the lily pads, and then you can have all your line on top, put your fly down under the lily pad and get really creative that way. So my, my challenge to you is to try fly fishing when you can, especially for bass, because remember, bass usually don't see a lot of flies. So they may be more likely to take your fly than maybe a worm or something. Do
0: you have any fishing stories?
1: I have many fishing stories. What kind of story would you like? Would you like a dangerous one? Would you like a romantic one?
0: Hmm. Decisions, decisions. Go any direction you'd like
1: with this. Sure. So when I was younger, I was a fishing guide. I used to guide for salmon and steelhead, but also this fish called sturgeon. Now, have you ever seen a sturgeon before? On TV, yes. Right. So if I caught one the size of you, that was a little fish, right? Yeah. (laughs) I wanted one the size of the couch behind you. And so my first year of guiding, I guided for somebody else and was given a jet boat to use for trips because you have to be in a boat for these. And my first guided trip was the next day. I got my boat a little bit close to (laughs) when I was supposed to start. So I took my boat downstream, anchored in about 60 feet of water, got all my bait and everything ready, cast out my big chunk of lead, put it in the rod holder and waited. Well, sure enough, I ended up hooking into this enormous seven plus foot sturgeon, but I was all by myself. And it was way bigger than I was. And I was afraid it was gonna pull my rod overboard. So I was at the back of the boat, crunched onto the ground of the boat, hanging onto my rod as hard as I could, praying to God I didn't lose my rod. And thankfully somebody had seen me and anchored his boat next to mine. Was able to get in and together we were able to land the fish. But it taught me that for safety reasons and all sorts of other reasons, you should probably always have a fishing buddy with you because you could catch a fish bigger than you are. Yeah.
0: Do you have a story about the one that got away?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I've had a few get away. I tend to not catch a lot of fish on my trips, but I usually catch that one pretty decent fish. I'm trying to think of one that really got away. Those ones usually end up coming in. When I guided, I had a few that got away, for sure. I had clients, had really amazing fish that I just so badly wanted to see that, you know, got away right at the net. But most of the ones that I've really wanted to see have have come in. Wow. Wow. But I've lost a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of fish, but just not the ones. I mean, maybe I've lost some that I haven't seen that I wish that I'd seen. But no, the really big ones that I've wanted to, that I've seen that I so badly needed to touch. Thank goodness. So far, I've just jinxed myself, but knock on wood, they've made it to shore.
0: Can you tell us about your career as a guide? Sure. So
1: I just was, I was like you, just obsessed with fishing. It was all I wanted to do. And because you're 10, I'm not going to tell you what I did from age... 12 to 18 to stay fishing. But by the time that I graduated, it was very clear that I wanted to work in fishing. So the only way to do that was to become really great at fishing. So I would go fishing too much when I probably should have been in school, if you know what I'm trying to say, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, And so I just decided that it was time if I was gonna put that much energy into a career, I was going to school at the time for music, that it was time that I probably focus on fishing. So that's what I did. I started as a sales rep first and then ended up becoming a fishing guide and said I would do it for 10 years. And that's exactly what I did. I'd had the idea to do the podcast when I was uh, guiding. I think I was in my seventh year of guiding, decided to do the podcast. And then from there, my career evolved around the podcast. Now my entire business is based around the podcast. So I've turned my podcast into a membership site. It's called anchoredoutdoors.com, and we've taken the podcast to the next level with masterclasses and tuition and meetings, and you just never know where the podcast is going to lead you.
0: Masterclasses?
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. And the podcast started because I had a television series. So when I was doing my television series, we had to edit it down for the network to you know, 24 minutes. And you know how long these podcast episodes go. All of our interviews were ending up in the garbage. So I thought, well, that's not going to work for me. So my first few episodes were from my television series. And then from there, I thought, this is going to work. And so I gave up television and took on podcasting, which sounds silly now. Well, it sounded silly at the time, but not so silly now considering television's kind of... Yeah, podcasting back then was still pretty niche. It was still pretty quiet. Now it's a lot more popular now. Do you have any advice for me as a young fisherman? I do. Enjoy this time as a young fisherman, because you will never know all of it. And the faster that you understand that, the better off you'll be. So we always say, when I know everything, I'll stop. I know when I was younger, I I was very overwhelmed because I wanted to know everything now. And so I could spend 24 hours a day. I was in the library. I was reading all the books. I had all the VHS tapes in your world It's a DVD. Do kids know what DVDs are nowadays? Yeah. You know what a DVD is? Okay. Um, You know, every waking moment trying to learn everything about fishing. And then I'm now almost 40 and still trying to learn everything about fishing. You'll never know it all, so just enjoy the time that you have learning it.
0: Yeah. Time for some rapid-fire questions. We should be quick. Let's do it. Favorite fish to eat? Salmon. Favorite country you fished in? Canada. Biggest fish ever? Eight foot eight. Was that a sturgeon? Yes. Someone you'd like to interview on your podcast?
1: Conway Bowman. Let's get Conway on here.
0: Favorite fish you've caught?
1: Golden Dorado.
0: Australia or Canada? Canada. If you can go anywhere in the world? and it sounds like you can, what would your dream catch be?
1: I'm ready to go to Papua New Guinea for oh. bass. They've got a really cool black bass, and apparently they fight harder than any other fish in the world. Really? hmm
0: How big are they?
1: They get pretty big. You'll have to look them up. It's a whole new world over there.
0: Hmm. Isn't that <laughs> like your backyard in Australia or something?
1: Very good question. In October, I'm going up to Albany Island, which is the very tip of Australia. And it's right on the map. It's like this close to Papua New Guinea. But unfortunately, the map isn't real life. So it's still quite a ways away. And it's still very dangerous. So I won't be going there anytime soon with what's going on with restrictions. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Catching Knowledge. If you'd like to subscribe, leave a rating, or write a review, I'd be super grateful. Make sure to tell your friends. Big thanks to April for doing this interview. I had a lot of fun. And I must thank Joel Lafolla yet again for connecting me with someone. And thank you for listening to this episode. I'll see you next time on Catchy Knowledge.